everyone. This is Brad Thomas with the Ground Up podcast, and I'm back again with another CEO roundtable interview. Uh, today, I'm honored to have Jeffrey Fisher with me. Jeffrey is the CEO of Chatham Lodging Trust. That ticker symbol is CLDT. And Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. Thanks, Brad. Listen, Jeff, I did some, uh, I was looking uh, before we got on this call, uh, my first, very first article on Chatham was February uh, 2014, so uh, what, six, over six years ago, and, and incidentally, the title of that article was, I may be adding salsa to the hotel REIT that pays monthly, so I want to remind everybody, Chatham is a monthly dividend payer, and uh, obviously in the lodging space, so Jeff, let's open it up at a, at a high level. Um, lodging has obviously been uh, one, of the, one of the most uh, volatile property sectors that we cover here. Um, tell us, how, do you, how, how is it today? I mean, it looks like things are starting to thaw back out. I've looked at uh, some of your uh, uh, investor deck materials. Your occupancy looks to be, you know, clawing back, coming back. But, you know, kind of how do you see the state of the lodging industry today? Well, I think from an overall perspective, it, it is, as you say, it's been a very slow, but for most sequentially increasing scenario for their occupancy. Average daily rate, which I'll refer to as ADR uh, during the conversation, uh, has been tough to come by uh, at levels compared to pre-pandemic levels. But that's because of the nature of the business that are in hotels today. Uh, the nature of the business has been first responders, nursing business, uh, you know, depending upon the hotel, government-related business, et cetera. Uh, and of course, a very high degree of leisure business. And that, and we can talk more about that, but the leisure business, I think, and that component uh, has really saved the hotel business to some extent over the last two or three months uh, because it is a piece of our occupancy that has been resilient. So business has been coming back uh, and I could obviously speak to our company and specifically our sector if you wanna get there, but I'll let you ask the next question. Great, well, I wanna to touch on that, your, your geographic focus, because obviously we covered the company and, and uh, you, know, you're, you, you really focus more on these coastal markets, both West Coast, East Coast, I'm here in South Carolina. I know you've got some assets in the, in the Charleston uh, market. So let's talk a little bit about your business model that appears to be performing better than many of your, uh, your peers uh, due to the fact that you've got uh, a high degree of focus on these, uh, on these, I guess, leisure or tourism markets. Can you talk a little bit more about kind of where your, where your focus is? Well, it's first and foremost, we've been in what used to be called the limited service hotel business, then became known as the select service hotel business. And within that, our focus has always been upscale extended stay hotels. So first and foremost, what does that mean? That means upscale extended stay hotels that are suite rooms with full kitchens. Our favorite brands in that space are the Residence Inns by Marriott that you and I have talked about many times, Hilton's Homewood Suites brand, et cetera. So 
So unlike most of the other hotel REITs, first of all, there's a bifurcation between hotel REITs that own full-service hotels, and that sector, as you well know, you know, is just suffering way more during this period of time than hotel REITs that have select service hotels. And within that, there's a subsection, really, frankly, only us <laughs> that specialize in upscale extended stay hotels. Almost 70% of our EBITDA is derived from residence ends or homewood suites. So it's really been an advantage during the pandemic when people can't go to restaurants and can't go out. We've got a full kitchen in that hotel, the delivery services, et cetera, and or if you really do want to heat up food, go to the grocery store, it all works. And it works very well in, a, in our hotels. Uh, so I think that's been one piece of our success. Geographically, you're right. We've been a bi-coastal story primarily. Um, we're attracted to markets that have a nice mix, first and foremost, of corporate business though. And that's really where our strength has been. And, and we have lots of hotels, for example, in Silicon Valley, which is not a tourist destination, uh, but, but very prolific in terms of the tech companies and the other companies that we do business with there. Uh, and we have a presence on, so on the West Coast, down to San Diego, on the East Coast, including Charleston, as you say, but all the way from Portland, Maine, down to Fort Lauderdale in Florida with a hotel that's right on the intercoastal that does do a fair amount of leisure business. Um, but the mix of business today tends to be more leisure if you're in a location that can attract that kind of business because that's who the traveler is. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the, you know, one of the, obviously in this pandemic, one of the really uh, keys here is liquidity. Can you talk a little bit about your liquidity? I know you uh, suspended the dividend like most all of the peers, uh, but how do your, how does your overall liquidity look today? And, and, and I guess going forward, how are you, utilizing the balance sheet to continue to grow the platform? Well, I'm really pleased with where we sit today. Specifically, we've got about $37 million of cash in the bank. We have $77 million of availability. And this is all as of, measured as of 630 um, under our line of credit, our credit facility. So add all that up, it's $114 million of liquidity and we have disclosed that our cash burn in June, which would have been the last month of you know, a formal disclosure, was negative $2.8 million for that month. And therefore, if you just do the division, that represents about 40 months worth of liquidity going forward if the level of EBITDA was the same as June. But we also disclosed that July was better and that August, of course, was better. And our rent part in August was up to $61. So <laughs> we've made some pretty good progress towards you know, approaching a level where there really is no cash burn. And that's how we enhance our balance sheet 
is one of the most important ways today because what's really not being talked about is if you're burning 15 million, 30 million, $40 million a month, unfortunately, like some of the other bigger full service or group oriented hotel REITs are, well, what is their leverage going to look like at the end of all this? If that's what they have to increase their debt by, in essence, for the next X number of months, 12 months, let's say. Uh, so I think we're sitting in a pretty good position there. And that really, I think, allows us to create more shareholder value with our focus on the break-even and beyond. And I think our affiliated management company uh, you know, is a big piece of the story, maximizing the top line. I mean, our RevPAR index, which is our, our share of business as compared to our competitors in a specific market, has increased and has been very substantially showing premiums all the way through the pandemic. And our margins continue to be, as we published in Q2, the best in the business as well. So I think that's afforded us a, a good opportunity for when uh, you know, the market turns a little bit to be more on the offense. So with that in mind, Jeff, I've, I've heard numerous reports that, um, you know, the lodging sector is going to, there's, there's going to be more lodging properties change hands over the next several months um, as a result of these more stressed, you know, individual owners, the smaller hotel owners, which you know is a highly fragmented industry. So do you see it, any opportunities and are you in, are you positioned to try to capitalize on some distressed deals out there, um, given this new you know paradigm within the lodging sector of many many uh, you know uh, you know owners uh, you know changing hands. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's an unfortunate, very unfortunate circumstance. The public companies, at least, have had the luxury of having substantial lines of credit and you know, liquidity that, depending on the company, certainly ought to see them to the end. But the business is comprised of a lot of franchisees of, you know, of Marriott, Hilton, and the other brands, Hyatt, et cetera. Uh, and for us, select service hotels and residence inns and homewoods would be our target. Uh, and they may not be as fortunate. And I think the balance sheet is positioned to take advantage of what might come loose and what opportunities may present themselves, I say, next year. You know, the pipeline is non, essentially non-existent today for you know, a variety of reasons, but the biggest one is it just takes a while for a foreclosure, for example, or even a deed in lieu scenario to work its way through to the lender and then to the appraiser and then to the hotel broker and then to the market if that's the way it goes, you know, or direct conversations that we may have with folks that we bought hotels from over the last 25 years or others. You know, it's, it's going to take, I think, into next year for some of that to happen. But we have had good experience 
in the distressed sector. As you may remember, you know, we participated in buying our old public company that was taken private out of bankruptcy, you know, back, uh, in, you know, back in the day after the financial crisis. So uh, I think we have the ability, we have the experience, and we have a balance sheet that we can utilize, uh, you know, to be, to be acquisitive. Great. And can you talk a little bit, I know you've, like all lodging REITs, uh, uh, pulled guidance uh, during the pandemic. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at the analyst scorecard. You've got, uh, um, got you know, a handful of analysts now providing some consensus not data for us for 21 and 22. It does appear that, you know, uh, 22 is going to be the year based on our the five analyst consensus report that I'm looking at right now. Um, but how do you, how do you kind of, uh, how, how do you, what's the dividend policy? And again, I know without income, there's no dividend. I know we, you know, you, you've lost a, you know, pretty substantial amount of income, especially in the, you know, in March, April, and May. Uh, but kind of, how do you see going forward? Again, without giving any any guidance, of course, you know, dividend policy for Chatham. I know, you know, we had this monthly dividend. Had a lot of retail investors who enjoyed the monthly dividend, of which I'm one. Uh, how do you see dividend policy going forward? I think it would be fairly similar. Uh, to where we were before, and of course, we you know we generally targeted 100% of re-taxable income to pay out as our dividend. For us, that translated to around 60% of FFO. If you want to think about it that way, and I would imagine that would be the general target going forward. Um, I think that we want to look at what our leverage ratios are at the time. And you know there might be a few months where you cat where you're cash flow positive, yet you still want to perhaps pay down some debt, uh, you know, which I think is a smart thing to do. But overall, we look forward to the time when we can resume our monthly dividend, and that is, of course, an important part of the story. Great. And and last question I want to ask you about growth. I mean, obviously you've been managing your current portfolio, but. Any growth prospects? I know in the past you had some new assets you were you were picking up uh, from developers, uh, uh, you know, CEOs, and and um, you know, pretty active, obviously, with the growth prior to COVID. How do, how do you view your your external growth uh, uh, model today? Well, right now we have a hotel under construction in Warner Center, which is an area of Los Angeles. Great submarket, a lot of growth. The whole Warner Center area got, in essence, upzoned density increases, use increases, et cetera, uh, with a master plan a few years ago. Uh, we took advantage of, of a site and acquired a building on the site, tore it down, and we have a hotel under construction. We slowed it down because of the pandemic. Uh, and we're kind of gone through that slowdown period of time. We look forward to getting this hotel open end of next year. That'll be, should be about the right time for that. Very few hotels, if any, new uh, in the space that we're in, which is extended stay, select service. So that's one piece of the puzzle. And then 
the, the rest, I think, is just being opportunistic on the acquisition front, as we just discussed. Great. Well, Jeff, I, I really want to uh, thank you for your time. And by the way, uh, um, there's been some insider uh, activity here lately reported. So uh, Jeff has uh, become a larger uh, shareholder now in Chatham, which obviously see that uh, that strong alignment of interest. So uh, it's good to put your money where your mouth is. And um, uh, but I, I really want to thank you, Jeff, for uh, for jumping on this uh, podcast with us today. Hey, Brett, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Great. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.